All right, guys. Hey, what you just now saw was a video for the Compassion Experience. Let me just kind of set that up for you. We've been talking about it for several weeks. The Compassion Experience is going to be right here at the Forum parking lot this uh, Friday. They're going to set up Thursday, but they're going to be here open to the public Friday through Monday. And listen, that's going to be an event unlike anything you've ever seen, okay? I mean, you're going to get to see what it's like. I mean, it's, uh, it's as close to going to another country than, uh, instead of actually doing it. You know, you're going to see the lives of kids in, the, in Bolivia and Uganda. And I promise what you're going to see in that experience, it's completely free, open to families, uh, man, you'll never forget it. I promise you're never going to forget it. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So if you go to Compassion.com slash change, uh, that, that website right there at the bottom of the screen, you go there, you can register your group, your family, whoever. Uh, you can pick the time you want to go. It takes less than literally a minute, less than 60 seconds for you to register to go through the Compassion Experience. To go through, it's about an hour, uh, but man, you'll never forget it. Next Sunday right here is, the, is Compassion Sunday. We have never had a Sunday like we're going to have next week. Please don't miss it. I'm just, that's all I want to say. Do not miss next Sunday if you can help it, all right? There's a, there's a vicious rumor that the air conditioner is going to be fixed next week. But, but, uh, come, all right? It's going to be awesome. Next Sunday, Compassion Sunday, all right? Hey, hey, real quick, before we, before, uh, we get started, I want to say one more thing. If you are a middle school, high school student, I want to invite you tonight at 6 o'clock to our student, uh, student ministry building over there in Christopher, 145 Century Circle. That's tonight at 6. If you're a middle school, high school student, man, I'd love for you to come tonight at 6. If you've uh, never been, if it's been a while or whatever, you come every week. I want you to be there tonight, 6 o'clock, students, all right? So, hey, guys, we are going to pray and man, we're going to jump in. We got some big stuff to do, uh, to do today in the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you so much that Jesus is alive. And God, we are talking about something today that I'm convinced the world is looking for more than ever. God, we are talking about hope. Our world needs hope. There are people in this room, they need hope. And hope is more than a slogan. It's more than an idea. Hope is, is not a political agenda. We're going to discover today that hope is a person, that hope has a name. And Father, I pray that you would speak to us right now. Pray right now, Jesus, you would speak to us. God, I thank you for what's happening in Whitesburg. Thank you that right now while we're in Hazard, there's another group of people that are launching a church today. Summit Whitesburg is happening right here while we're talking and God, I thank you that you are here with us and you are there with them. Father, I pray for them. I pray you give Tim the words to say and that you would do great things there. And God, I pray, uh, I just want to uh, pray, God, as school begins this week for a lot of kids and then in the next couple of weeks, all the kids, teachers are going to be back in school. Father, I pray for students, pray for teachers, I pray for faculty, God. Pray that, God, you'd protect them this year. I pray, Father, that, that they would know when they're on that campus that you are with them. That, God, they would know when they're on that campus that that's a mission field. Father, that they would, that they would sense your presence in their lives at school this year. God, what an awesome opportunity to, to love people, to pray with people, to make a difference in Jesus' name. And so, God, I pray that in this upcoming school year, we would not let those opportunities drift by us. God, help us right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, hey, uh, hey, really quick, this, uh, I was thinking as I was praying, um, I, I can't go to sleep at night without a fan blowing. Anybody else like that? Like, you got to have something making noise while you, before you go to sleep. 
So we got three big, huge fans. If at some point I just fall and, and just go to sleep, it's because I got, I'm, I'm in ready, I'm, I'm in prime condition to go, to go to bed right now, all right? I got a fan going, so if at any point I just fall asleep, you, you're dismissed, all right? Just go home. Hey, uh, today we are talking about uh, how to have hope in uncertain times, and the reason that we're talking about that today is because I think that we can all agree, no matter who you are or what you believe, that these are uncertain times, right? I think that we'd all agree with that. I mean, it's really easy to prove. Let me just show you some headlines uh, that it took me less than five minutes just to pull a couple of these off. Look at this right here. This is from the Los Angeles Times a couple of weeks ago. Five Dallas police officers killed, six others injured in attacks by snipers. We, we, we didn't just hear about that. I mean, if you were like me, you watched it happen on TV, right? Here we go. Here's this. New York Times, truck attack on French crowd scores die. Stay on this slide for a second. Truck attack on French crowd scores die. And you all saw that. You all saw pictures of that. We, we remember hearing about that and just, just the, the horror of what was coming out of, of France the night that that happened. And we look at the world and the world is going through, uh, there's so much going on in the world right now, terrorism and disease, so many things. And the world, there's uncertain times in the world that we live in, but you can even bring it right here to this region, right? I mean, these are uncertain times in eastern Kentucky. I mean, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of questions. Look at this next slide. I got this from the New York Times online. You guys saw this probably. It got a lot of traction online. Look at this headline. What's the matter with Eastern Kentucky? And then they made that graphic there. The license plate says, help me. Because these are uncertain times. And so so maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian and you're thinking, man, you know what? Uh, I'm not a believer in Jesus. I'm not a Christian yet or anything like that, but I know I need some hope. Because I'm looking at the world around me, and I'm not really seeing it coming from anywhere. And so you're here today. You're, a follower, you're not a follower of Jesus, rather, but you know you need hope. Or on the other side of the coin, you are a follower of Jesus, and you're looking at your life, and you're looking at what's happening in our community or in the world, and you're thinking, listen, Mark, I'm a Christian, but I'm afraid. So, Mark, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a follower of Jesus. There's no doubt in my mind about that, but I'm really scared about what's happening in the world, what's happening in our region, what's happening with some things personally with my family, the future for my kids and grandkids. How can we have hope in uncertain times? So that's what I want to talk about today. So if you've got a Bible, this is really easy. Exodus chapter 2. All right, so I want you to open up your Bible to Exodus chapter 2, and we're going to begin reading in verse 23. Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 through chapter 3. Verse 8. It's really cool because as you're turning there, you might be thinking, I wonder what they're talking about in Whitesburg this morning. Every week, Whitesburg is talking about the same thing that we are. We're one church, just in two different locations, but they're going to talk about how to have hope in uncertain times this morning. That's what they're hearing right now over in Whitesburg, all right? So Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 through chapter 3, verse 8. I'm going to read these verses. It says this. It says, during those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery. And they cried out for help. They cry, their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and Jacob. And God saw the people of Israel. I love this. And God knew. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. 
And Moses said, I'll turn aside and see this great sight while the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. And he said, I'm I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering. And I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Let me just kind of set the stage here. What's happening is, is a lot of people, most Bible scholars estimate that by the time we get here, Israel, God's people, has, they have been slaves in Egypt for at least 400 years. And so for 400 years, these are people that grew up hearing about Abraham. These are people that grew up hearing about Isaac. They grew up hearing, hearing from their grandparents, their parents. Listen, God loves you. God's got a good plan for you. God's going to take you into a big, broad, beautiful land. They had heard that. They believed that. And yet, what they experienced didn't match up with what they believe. Hey, have you ever been there? Have you ever been at a place where what you believe doesn't line up with your current reality. We've all been there, right? They had heard about God. They had heard that God was going to do great things, and yet there they were 400 years slaves in Egypt. And see, when we're in uncertain times, when you're a slave in Egypt for 400 years, hope is a hard thing to hang on to, right? Hope's a hard thing to hang on to when, when you're in uncertain times, when the disease that, you, that you've been diagnosed with and you've prayed for, your friends and your church, they're praying that you would get healed and you're not being healed. Well, your finances, and you've been working to get out of that situation, to get out of that debt, and for some reason or another, you're just not, it's just not getting better. When you don't get the job or when you get passed over for the job that you and everybody else knew you were qualified for, when your current reality doesn't match what you believe, hope is a hard thing to hang on to. When you're a slave for 400 years and a part of the people of God, it's hard to have hope. And not only for Israel, but also for Moses. See, Moses grew up. In the palace. Did anybody see that animated movie that came out several years ago, The Prince of Egypt? If not, you might want to watch that on YouTube or something like that. Anyway, you watch that movie, you get a really good glimpse. Moses grew up in Pharaoh's palace. Moses grew up basically royalty. Everything was done for him. And then at another point in Exodus 2 that we didn't read, one day Moses is walking through Egypt and he sees some Egyptians and they're harassing, they're beating up, they're hurting A few of the Israelites, a few of Moses' people. So Moses steps in, intervenes, fight breaks out. Moses kills someone. Buries the body, but it's too late. People saw it. People saw it. They took pictures of it, posted it on Facebook, Instagram. It's all over topics, right? So Moses says, listen, I got a jet. I got to get out of town. So Moses flees Egypt and ends up in this nowhere town called Midian. This nowhere town, this town that doesn't seem to have a future. And Moses is looking around, and here is Moses in this nowhere town. And Moses, the only job that he gets is he's a shepherd. 
taking care of sheep all day. Listen, that's not a glamorous job. Moses is looking at his life and, and the current employment that he has, and he says, listen, I am at a job that's going nowhere. My future is at a dead end. Have you ever been there? Moses is looking at his life. The people of Israel are looking at their life. Maybe you today, you're looking at your life and you're thinking, man, how can I have hope in uncertain times? I want you to see three things today, three ways that you and I can have hope in uncertain times. First way you and I can have hope in uncertain times is we need the right perspective. We need the right perspective if we're going to have hope in uncertain times. Israel, they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. They were convinced that God had abandoned them, but what Israel didn't know is that God was at work behind the scenes getting everything ready so that he could deliver them from slavery. God was at work behind the scenes getting Moses ready. God was at work orchestrating all kinds of things behind the scenes. Man, I'm a movie nerd. Anybody that knows me uh, knows I, lo- I love movies. I love movies. I love going to the movies. I love watching movies. I love talking about movies. I love to read about movies. And I'll tell you what I really love. I love to read about and to see what happens behind the scenes of movies. You know? Like if you give me a DVD of a movie, odds are I'm not going to watch it first. I want to look at all the DVD extras. I just love bonus features. I just love to get a behind-the-scenes look at how movies are made. I love everything that went into certain special effects shots. I love, I love all the work that goes into behind the scenes, making sure the story is everything that it needs to. Because see, here's what happens a lot of times. When you see what happens behind the scenes, it changes the way you see everything else. See, one of the reasons we miss God most of the time in our lives is because we're looking for God to do these big, huge, miraculous things, aren't we? We're looking for God to split the Red Sea. We're looking for God when we're in a financial bind. We're going to the mailbox every single day praying that we open up and boom, there's that million-dollar check. We'll never have to worry about money again, right? Listen, I want you to know, remember this, never forget this. God does his best work behind the scenes. God does his best work behind the scenes. Israel is looking at their current reality. God doesn't care about us. They don't know that a few hours down the road in a town called Midian, God is getting a man named Moses ready. Behind the scenes, listen, listen, listen. When you look at your life, I want you to know that at any point in your life, child of God, God is doing a million things in your life. You might only be aware of three. Listen, God's doing some stuff in your marriage right now you don't know about. God's doing some stuff in your life right now you don't know about. God's doing some stuff. Some of you feel stuck. You don't know that God's actually behind the scenes right now getting everything ready so that he can deliver you out of what feels like slavery. And let me give you a theological term just to show you that God is able to pull this off. God is sovereign. Let's all say it together. Let's all say it. It's real hot, so let's talk. Everybody say this on three. One, two, three, God is sovereign. One, two, three, God is sovereign. Let me tell you what sovereign means. Word sovereign means that God is absolutely in control over absolutely everything, absolutely all the time. Absolutely. Means that God is absolutely in control of everything, absolutely all the time. Let me show you some verses. I love these verses here that are on the screen. Psalm 115.3, I just love how simple this is. Our God is in the heavens and he does all that he pleases. Man, I praise God that we do not worship a God who has ever settled for plan B. 
We, didn't, we don't worship a God that woke up this morning, read the newspaper, and was shocked. No, listen, our God is in heaven, Summit. Our God is on the throne of the universe, and he has never been stopped. He has never been slowed down. No one or thing has ever gotten in the way of our God because our God is sovereign. He's king. I'll give you another one. Everybody knows this one. Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that for those who love God, All things. What things? A few things? Some things? All things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. God works all things together for the good. Why? Because God is sovereign. God is in the details. God is behind the scenes, Israel. God's behind the scenes, Moses. And listen, God is behind the scenes of your life too. You want to have hope in uncertain times? First thing you need is you need the right perspective. You know what? My current reality might not match what I believe, but here's what I know is always true. My God reigns. Always. You need the right perspective. Second thing you need, second thing, you need the right posture. You want to to keep hope in uncertain times? You and I need the right posture posture. Listen to this verse again. Listen to Exodus chapter 2 verse 23. During those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery. Watch this. Watch this. And they cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. They cried out for help. I'm sweating a lot. I feel like there needs to be a water break right through here so I can come and just grab it and throw it on me. Right? They prayed. Hey, let me ask you a question. What is prayer? Let me ask you a better question. What are you praying about right now? A lot of times we treat prayer like it's a wish list, don't we? Like we go to God and we give God our wish list. You know, a lot of times we treat God like God is Santa Claus on steroids, don't we? We treat God like God is Santa Claus on steroids, and so when we pray, we give God everything that we want. Hey, God, here's everything that I need. Here's everything that I want you to do. And then because we secretly believe that God's a whole lot like Santa, who, who knows who's on the naughty list and he's checking that list twice, right? All of a sudden, we start being really good. So we're praying, we're asking God to do a lot of stuff and our church attendance goes up and our Bible reading goes up and maybe all of a sudden we start to serve and we've never served in church before. We're doing all kinds of stuff, listen, to get things from God. I know people think this way all the time because I hear people all the time, Mark, the reason I quit going to church or the reason that I abandoned my faith is because God didn't do what I wanted when I was doing everything right. As if, God's, as if God owes us something. As if we are entitled to something from God. Listen, listen, prayer is not a wish list. Prayer is a posture where you and I humble ourselves before a holy God. And we say, God, this is too big for me to handle, but you can handle it. God, I'm stuck, but you can get me out. God, I'm dying, but you can bring me back to life. Prayer is a posture where we know God is God and we are not. And what we need more than anything is him. See, a lot of people don't pray. A lot of people, either, either they don't pray or they have a hard time praying. And the reason a lot of people have a hard time praying is because a lot of Christians believe that God is secretly mad at them. Do you ever feel that way? That, oh man, you, you just blow it all the time as a husband, as a, 
as a wife, as a, as a man or a woman, as a, as a Christian. I mean, I mean you, can, you, you just have a hard time reading the Bible, hard time getting to church. Surely when God thinks about you, God just rolls his eyes and thinks, how in the world did they get in the family of God? Right? And Christians just walk around with this low-grade sense of guilt that God's always angry at them. But look at what it says here in Exodus. We need to remember this. Exodus chapter uh, 2, verse 24 says this. God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant. God remembered his covenant with Abraham. See, in the Bible, a covenant, it's an oath between two parties, and, and nothing can get in the way of those two parties keeping up their end of the deal. And listen, when Jesus came in the New Testament, Jesus purchased the new covenant for you and me. Here's why that's good news. The reason that's good news is because your acceptance with God has nothing to do with you, but it has everything to do with Jesus. It has everything to do with Jesus. See, your relationship with God isn't some relationship where God can break up with you in an instant based on how he feels. No, your relationship with God is a covenant relationship with you where you are bought by Jesus and God looks at you and when he sees you, he sees a man or a woman who was bought by his son. God the Father loves you with the same love that he has for Jesus Christ and God will never let you go. God will never abandon any of his children. And so when God's people cry out to God in Jesus' name and we pray, God loves to hear his kids ask for help. God loves to hear his people pray and ask him to move. And so not only do we need the right, po- right perspective, we need the right posture of humbling ourselves before God and saying, God, I don't see any reason to have hope, but I know that you are still God. Last thing you need, last thing. You need the right person. Hey, you want to have hope? Yeah, 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 you need the right perspective. I believe that God's in control. Yeah, 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 you need the right posture. Oh, I pray. Here's the biggest one. You need the right person. You need the right person. See, the right person for Israel at this time is Moses. God gets Moses ready, brings him in. You know the story. After the ten plagues, God releases Israel from slavery. The right man at that time was a guy named Moses. But hey, you know what? You and I have somebody better than Moses. You and I have somebody better than Moses. We have Jesus Christ, right? That was the lamest I've ever heard, y'all. My gosh. Please. Please, please, please. If Coach Cal was up here, some of y'all would have took your shirt off already and ran around the room, right? Come on now, people. We're talking about Jesus this morning. Jesus is, Jesus is still alive on the throne, even though the air conditioning ain't working, all right? All right, he's still good, he's still God, and we need to worship him today, all right? But Mo, Jesus is better than Moses. Hey, Moses went to Pharaoh to set Israel free. Jesus didn't go to Pharaoh. Jesus went to the cross to set you free. Jesus went to the tomb to set you free. Jesus took on death and hell and the grave to set you free. I love what Hebrews chapter 3 says. Look at these verses. Hebrews 3, 4 through 6 says this, For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we 
we are his house, if indeed we owe fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. What's that mean? What that means is this. Moses was faithful. Jesus was perfect. Moses served God. Jesus was God. Moses went to Pharaoh. Jesus went to the cross. So you can have hope in uncertain times because our hope is a person named Jesus who never changes. So it doesn't matter what the economy is. Doesn't matter what's happening in the world around us. It doesn't matter what, who wins the election in November. Our hope is in a better place. Our hope is in a person. It is in Jesus. And so practically what that means, practically what that means is I'm going to get the right perspective. I'm going to believe every promise from God in this book. Because did you know that this book says that every promise from God is yes and amen in Jesus? Jesus bought every promise so you can bank your life on everything in this book. Oh, my goodness. Listen, we've heard a lot of promises these past two weeks, haven't we? Did you watch the Republican, National, uh, Republican convention, Democratic convention? There's a lot of promises coming from those people. A lot of promises coming from those people. But I want to tell you there is a man who gives a better promise, and Jesus is that man. And so, so we can anchor our hope on the promises here. When, I, when I'm losing hope, I'm going to get in the right posture and I'm going to cry out to Jesus and ask him to move in my situation. So if you are here today and you are about to abandon hope, you are about to give up hope, I want to tell you, do not give up. Why? Because Jesus is your hope. And if you cry out to him, if you cry out to him today, I want, I want you to know, your situation may not change. But if you cry out to him today, I believe that your faith will rise and you will encounter the living God who is right there in your circumstance with you. Listen, if you are here today and you are not a follower of Jesus, you are not a Christian, I want you to know there is hope if you cry out to Jesus, if you ask Jesus to save you right now, there is hope and he will do it. But I want you to know there is hope in uncertain times, no matter what happens in the world, there is hope. With the right perspective and the right posture and the right person, there is hope. Would you pray with me? Everybody bow your heads, close your eyes. Hey, here's what we're gonna do today. I just wanna ask you one question. I just want you to be totally honest with me. The lights are off, nobody's looking around or anything like that, but I would love, I would love, love, love for this just to be a moment of honesty If you're here today, before I pray, I want to pray for you. If you're here today and you just have a moment of honesty, here in just a second, you'd raise your hand. You say, Mark, I'm about to give up hope. Would you pray for me that I don't give up hope? Would you pray for me today? If that's you, would you raise your hand? Nobody's looking around, that's you. Just raise your hand right now. Mark, I'm about to give up hope. I'm struggling. Hands are going up right here. Anybody else? There's a hand there in the back. I'm about to give up hope. I'd like, I'd like prayer today. Hands all over the left side. I'm about to give up hope, Mark. Would you pray for me today? Raise your hand right now. Raise it up high. You don't need to be embarrassed for that. God already knows. I just want to pray for you today. There's somebody put their hand up right there. God bless you for that. God, I pray for every person here today who's raised their hands to say they are hurting, they're struggling. They are about to give up hope. Do not let them give up hope. Help them to see that just like Israel, God, you are working behind the scenes. You are just a prayer away. They can cry out to you and you will move. You will, you will draw near to them. And Jesus, you are their hope. Do not let them give up. 
Now, if you're here today with every head bowed, with every eye closed, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to say to you today, do not let anything right now get in the way of you making that decision. The biggest decision that you could ever make is that you need Jesus. And if you are here today and you're not a Jesus follower, and you say, Mark, I've hoped in all kinds of things, but I don't have any hope in Jesus. Today, I want to place my hope in Jesus. How do I do that? How do I place my hope in Jesus Christ? Well, I want you to know that Jesus did all the work 2,000 years ago on the cross and when he came back to life three days later. And right here today in this room, if you want to place your hope in Jesus and begin a relationship with him, if you want to make him Lord of your life, then right now, I'm going to pray a prayer and I just invite you to pray this prayer with me today. Just pray this prayer that's between you and God Don't let anything keep you from this prayer. Say, dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. I give my life to you today. I want you to be my hope, and I want you to be my Lord, and I want to live for you starting in this moment. Thank you for saving me. In your name, Jesus. Amen. No one is looking around, no eyes open or anything like that. Did you just ask Jesus to save you? Did you just ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life? Do you need to do that today? Right now, I'm going to count to three. And as soon as I say three, if today you ask Jesus to save you, I want you to raise your hand high just so I can see it and celebrate with you today, all right? One, two, three. Raise your hand right now. If today you are placing your faith in your life in Jesus' hands, Say, today I'm asking Jesus to save me. Raise that hand high if that's you today. Amen. Father, we thank you that Jesus is hope. God, as this week, as we enter into this week, God, only you know what, what, what it holds, but God, you're going to go with us. And so Jesus, I pray that we would look to you in your word, that we would have the faith to know that at any given moment, You are doing a million things in our life. We might be aware of one or two, but God, so much more is happening around us. So much more is happening in us. And I pray that we wouldn't give up hope. I pray for that marriage. pray for those parents. pray for that person that wouldn't give up hope. And that you would give them faith to continue to trust and walk with you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Some of us thank God that Jesus is hope today, that Jesus is alive, that he's with us. And here's what I want to say to you today before we dismiss. Hey, I want you to know if you are here today for the very first time, man, we are so excited to have you here. Like Dana mentioned earlier, we've got a free gift we'd love to give all of our first-time guests. If you're here, you're a returning guest, we'd love for you to stick around for first step. Also, uh, really quick, if you are a kids volunteer, if you're a kids volunteer, we put on Facebook in the kids group, uh, I, I've got something, uh, just a really quick, about four or five minute thing uh, with the kids volunteers. I'd love to talk to you in the kids area. So if you've got about four or five minutes, and uh, if you're a kids volunteer, head back to the multi-purpose room. Just want to talk to you guys for about four or five minutes. But um, guys, I want to thank you so much for being here. Spread the word about this week. Next Sunday is Compassion Sunday, and you're never going to forget it. All right? Hey, I love you guys. Everybody stand up. And you're dismissed. See you guys later.